Chapter 47 The Yiga clan began to slowly wake up, as Link made his way deeper and deeper into the hideout. Thankfully, it seemed that the constant presence of masked faces made small talk to be something of a rarity among the Yiga. Or perhaps they were still surly, for it being so early in the morning. Either way, he was grateful for the chance to blend in, though his skin crawled at the thought of being so surrounded. All it would take was one misstep. No one had apparently noticed the bodies in the dungeon yet, or if they had been noticed, the alarm had not gone up yet in Link's section of the hideout. The hallway he was now in was deserted, thankfully. Many of the newly awakened Yiga had apparently gone to eat. As he made his way down the hall, he saw one open doorway with a pair of lanterns on either side of it. Thinking that it appeared out of place, Link glanced into it and was surprised to find what seemed like kind of a chapel within. Though the room was small, there were several benches facing a kind of altar. Behind the altar was tapestry, hanging from the back wall, which depicted a large blue creature. Piggish face, three-bladed swords held in each hand. A shiver ran down Link's back. It looked different than the depiction found in Impa's tapestry true, but it was undeniable what he was looking at. This creature was Ganon, or at least a rendition of him. He glanced around briefly, and then slipped into the chapel. A few candles burned low near the back wall, casting their flickering light on the tapestry. Other than it and the benches, the only other thing of significance was a handful of frog-like statues against one wall, each covered by the cloth. He walked over to one of them, eyeing it curiously. Now that he inspected it, it looked somewhat different than the frogs in Kakariko. The shape was very similar, yet... He lifted the cloth and gasped, stepping back while feeling intense revulsion. Rather than a frog, the statue was a grotesque approximation of a pig's face, with brutal-looking tusks and black eyes. It was far more disturbing than the tapestry. Impa had told him that they had rejected the royal family, choosing to serve Ganon instead. This, however, was far more disturbing. These statues in the tapestry told him that the Yiga didn't just serve Ganon. They worshipped it. How could anyone revere that vile creature? How could anyone like the amicable Dorian think this was the way to live? How long ago he had believed such things? The two women that had attacked him in Gerudo Town, Delia, the nameless Yiga that had been killed in Kakarika Village and in the desert. Did they all worship Ganon as a deity? He left the chapel and its unsettling imagery, moving in the direction he had originally been traveling. He found another common room. There were several of these open rooms spread out throughout the hideout, just as there were several barracks, dining rooms, and kitchens. He worried that the Gerudo's estimates of this place were even less accurate than they had feared. This one had far more Yiga in it than the previous ones. They were dressed similarly to him 
and the others he'd seen, but their bodysuits bore more ostentation. Belts with golden buckles and white cuffs around their wrists. Higher-ranking Yiga, Link thought, frowning. That could mean he was moving in the right direction. And it might also mean I'll stand out more. Setting his jaw, he moved on past the common room without stepping in, continuing down the hallway he'd been traveling through. It was hard to tell, in a way, which way he was even going. Each of the hallways looked just like the others. Black stone walls, doorways made of wood, tapestries of the Yiga Eye hanging from various places. If he got turned around, then he might not even realize it. Where do you think you're going? said a voice behind him. Link froze, looking over his shoulder. One of the Yiga stood behind him. She was tall and wore one of the higher-ranking outfits. Her mask even appeared different than the others, more angular and pointed. When Link didn't answer, she continued. The master has called all to the pit. Did you not hear? He turned fully to face her and shook his head. She cocked her head, looking at him. Link tried to steady himself, remaining relaxed, yet ready to spring into action, should the need arise. Well, go. He will be starting soon. Link nodded and moved back in her direction, passing her. She watched him as he walked by, and he felt the hairs on the back of his neck raise. Did she suspect? She didn't stop him, however, as Link continued down the hall until he found the common room that he passed earlier. He saw some of the Yiga moving together through one of the other doorways, and he fell in behind them. He glanced behind himself as he passed through the door, and had to stifle a gasp when he saw the tall Yiga woman standing in the common room, arms folded, watching him. The group of Yiga shuffled down this hall. Several of them spoke to each other in low tones as they did so, and he was able to pick up snatches of conversation. They wondered why their master had called this meeting, and when the Gerudo would attack next. Startlingly, he even heard himself come up more than once. Report that the latest group sent to kill him had failed, and that another team was being groomed. They would try attacking from a distance this time, corner him and rain arrows down on him. Well, at least now I know, he thought glumly. He would have to be extra cautious and make sure he carried a shield on this person at all times, and keep an eye out on top of buildings and walls. They passed a room with a partially open doorway, and Link hesitated. He watched the group continuing down the hall. None of them appeared to have noticed him. He looked back behind, and no one was behind either. He glanced into the room, heart beating quickly in his chest. Some choose to defy the royal family, and kept some of their technology. Deciding that if the royal family would not have them, perhaps another master would. Impa's words played back in his mind. He hadn't paid very much attention to that at the time, but he should have. If he had, this sight wouldn't have surprised him nearly as much. A half-built guardian sat in what appeared to be a large laboratory. It looked different than the others he'd seen, more menacing, with horns coming up from a boxy head and a dark red Yiga eye painted on its black surface. The head was held suspended by ropes over the base which had not yet been completed. Its legs hadn't been attached yet, though we saw them sitting over to one side of the room. There were only four of them, each ending in a set of wicked-looking claws, 
far longer and sharper than the ones on the other guardians. The room had other things too, diagrams that hung from walls depicting ancient technology. He saw the four divine beasts, with notations written in a tight scrawl that spoke of their unique powers. He saw other creatures too, things that looked like other divine beasts. Though, these were not as detailed. Could there be others out there, still waiting to be rediscovered? Ling continued to search, grimacing. He found depictions of the Sheikah Towers with texts that seemed to confirm Robbie's theories. Were they planning on trying to take control of the Guardians for themselves? But they didn't have Sheikah Slates, or... Did they? Pura had been able to build one. Could these Yiga do the same? He wished that he had his own Sheikah Slate still to take photographs of the room. Perhaps there were things in here that could help Pura and Robbie with their research. He settled for removing several of the diagrams from the wall and shoving them into his pack. He found a small book on a shelf that contained a great deal of handwritten notes. This, too, went into the pack. Link surveyed the room, feeling agitated. There was so much here. They were clearly more advanced than he had suspected. Perhaps even further along in their research than the Sheikah. And some of the books on the shelf looked old. He had an idea, though. He was certain that Pura wouldn't like it. Still, though, he couldn't bring all of these with him. He carefully removed a couple of smaller tomes, stuffing them into his now overstuffed satchel, before walking over to where a series of candles burned on a desk. With a flick of his hand, he knocked one over onto a stack of papers, containing the interior diagrams of Guardians. As the papers caught fire, he picked up the candle and carefully walked over to the other section of wall, that contained papers hung by some kind of wax. He lit a line of these papers on fire, watching as the fire rose up the pages and began to spread. Next, he started the fire on the bookshelves, containing the ancient knowledge. Silently, he prayed that Zelda would forgive him for this as well. He suspected that she would have loved to see this. Hopefully she and the Sheikah would be able to use what he'd been able to gather. Finally, he walked over to where the ropes that held the guardian head suspended had been tied off on the wall. He lifted the candle's flame to the rope, watching as threads began to catch. The rope shifted, cracked, weakened. He walked to another of the ropes and did the same. Suddenly, the first rope snapped, followed by the second one. Overhead, the guardian's head suddenly swayed dangerously on its side as two of the four ropes that held it were gone. The ropes on the other side of the room creaked under the strain. He doubted they would hold for very long. That would hopefully be enough. He tossed the candle away. Link peeked his head out of the room, looking around for anyone in the hall, but found no one. Satisfied, he backed out and closed the door behind him. Inside the room, the walls and bookshelves burned, black gackered smoke already rising to the ceiling. He found the procession of Yiga a short time later, and fell back into step with them, slowly filtering out of the hideout and out into daylight. They entered a patch of flat rocky ground surrounded on all sides by rock walls. It appeared to be some kind of depression in the middle of one of the plateaus. Link could see several other doorways and openings around the wide circle, and Yiga came walking out of several of them. There were a lot of members of the Yiga clan. Easily 500, if not more, had already filtered out into the circle, 
and there were still more coming out of each entrance. So many, and no one knew of their presence, he wondered, grimacing. How could that be? They all gathered in a circle around a deep pit in the center of the circle. As the crowd filled in around him, he found himself near the front. He glanced down into the pit, but couldn't see its bottom. He backed away from it, lest someone bump him and throw him off balance. The crowd around him, each dressed nearly identically, rustled. It seemed that it wasn't common that they were called to be addressed as a group, seeing how many of them that there were. He wasn't surprised. Perhaps he should have remained inside the hideout. He could have used this opportunity to search without worrying about running into his mini Yiga. He did have a particular reason for coming out here, however. The mysterious Master Koga. The very man that had ordered Delia, and likely the others to assassinate him, would be making an appearance. Link wanted to see him, for one, but he also suspected that it was this man that would have the Thunder Helm. If he could determine the direction of Koga's quarters, perhaps. A hush fell over the crowd of Yiga, and Link looked around. He wondered where the Yiga master would address them from. They were all around the pit. There was no good place with which to stand and address so many people. And then he saw him, floating above their heads, legs crossed underneath him. Master Koga looked down at his clan as he approached the pit. He flew through the air with apparent ease, finally coming to rest in the center of the pit, seemingly unperturbed by the bottomless drop beneath him. He wasn't quite what Link had expected. Though he wore a bodysuit and mask like the rest of the Yiga, his was far flashier than theirs. His mask had six wavy horns rising up from it, three on either side of his head, and he had a wide white and gold collar that fanned out behind his neck. His belt had three large eyes emblazoned upon it in white, and two more on each of his shoulders. He was also oddly rounder around the midsection than Link would have expected. Perhaps not fat, but Link would say that he was definitely pear-shaped. The Yiga around the pit began to kneel and raise their masks, exposing their faces to the sunlight. Link kneeled like them, and after a moment reached up and lifted his mask, keeping his face lowered. With so many around it, it was unlikely that anyone would recognize him yet. My Yiga, Master Koga said in a booming voice. He threw his arms and legs wide as he spoke. For long, we have hidden in the shadows, working to prepare this nation for the great calamity Ganon's rise. But the time grows near that we shall no longer hide and plot. The calamity will soon rise again, and when it does, we shall take our place as rulers in this country. Each of you will be rewarded for your bravery, your willingness to leave behind homes and lives to serve this greater cause. Link glanced up at the flying man. Koga gesticulated with his arms as he spoke, spinning around in a lazy circle so as to address the entire crowd. Link had hoped he might be carrying the Thunder Helm, but no. 
He didn't appear to carry it, or even any weapons, unlike most of the Yiga around the pit. But those that fail me, those that show cowardice instead of courage, those that flee instead of completing their duties, Koga's tone grew menacing. They will not prosper in our new land. They will not rule. They will not partake. His voice rose in pitch and volume as he thrust his finger into the air. He seemed mad. Across from Link, some of the crowd rippled and shifted, parting. Four people walked through the gap approaching the pit. Two of them were in full Yiga garb, though these were dressed in all black, rather than the red and black of the other bodysuits. The other two were women without masks, dressed in rags. As many of you know, there is one that attempts to stand in our way, Koga said. One that tries to foul our plans. The one that some even claim to be hero of legend. The Hylian champion that was believed killed when our glorious god first rose 100 years ago. It took Link a moment, but he gasped softly when he recognized them as the two Yiga women that had attacked him in Gerudo Town, the two that he had let go. They had clearly been beaten, and it looked as though the one whose hand he'd broken had not received proper treatment. She held her mangled hand to her chest. It looked red and swollen, infected. We have lost many of our clan to this so-called hero. Their bodies left to rot after being murdered by his trickery. These are the true heroes, though. They fought to their deaths, serving our lord until their dying breath. Koga gestured towards the two women. But these two did not willingly give their lives, as the righteous among us have done. They did not serve. His voice rose again, growing manic. Link thought that he sounded half mad. Instead, they ran. Like cowards, they chose to run rather than to face him. One man. They came back here hoping to placate me with stories of his skill in battle and with promises to kill him if I would only give them another opportunity. But why should I? Why should I? But I have hundreds of others who would die rather than run. He screamed the last sentence. Arms and legs spread wide, motioning for his kneeling Yika clan. And then his voice dropped again, becoming low and dark. No. There will be no second chances. They chose to run rather than attack when they had our enemy cornered. By doing so, they have sealed their fates. They shall die for their cowardice. And you all shall watch. So you know, so you know what fate awaits cowards in my new world. Link gritted his teeth, clenching one of his hands into a tight fist. They were Yiga true, but they were also helpless. Neither of them looked up or around at their fellows, and no one spoke up for them. 
He wanted to fight. He wanted to attack. But he was quite literally surrounded by an army of his enemies. He would die in seconds, and in doing so would seal Hyrule's fate. What could he do? The two black-clad Yega shoved the two women forward to the edge of the pit. One of the women stared stoically forward. The other looked down, and Link saw tear tracks on her dirty face. You bastard, Link thought, looking away from the two women, and up at Koga, who watched with an eager posture, hands outstretched and fingers curving in like claws. If he could reach him now. Master Koga! A voice from the crowd. The members of the Yiga clan rippled near him as someone ran up, waving his hands. Koga looked over in Link's direction, and he ducked his head. Master Koga! The prisoner! The Gerudo, she escaped! What? Koga demanded, floating closer. Escaped? How? The lock was cut, the Yiga said, lifting his mask in respect for his master. Three of our number were killed. And the prisoner. How could she have made it past the other guards? Koga said, his voice a snarl. We don't know, Master. We... Master Koga! Another voice. An elderly woman's voice. Again, the crowd parted to allow an elderly woman dressed in a robe without a mask and leaning on a walking stick to hurry up to the pit. What is it? Koga said. The woman gestured back towards the entrance to the hideout, eyes wide. Strangely, Link thought that she looked vaguely familiar to him, though he couldn't quite place it. Fire in the laboratory! Everything has been destroyed. The research, the Guardian, is all gone! Silence fell for a time, as Koga floated absorbing this news. And then he shot into the air, his voice shrill and loud. He's here! He cried, arms and legs thrown wide. Our enemy has made his way into our base! Go, my Yiga! Search every room, find him, bring him to me! The crowd broke into motion, and Link rose with them, pulling his mask down, as they did. There was chaos for a few seconds as the Yiga raced toward their entrances. He glanced around, seeing the black-clad Yiga had pulled their prisoners back from the edge of the pit, apparently unwilling to carry out the execution, until Koga gave the order. Master Koga, however, appeared to have entirely forgotten about his prisoners. He floated high above, screaming orders, demanding that his Yiga find Link and capture him, to not let him escape. Like a hornet's nest, indeed, Link thought, smiling wryly under his mask. He kept near the back of the crowd, watching Koga, and he was rewarded for doing so when Koga began to float towards another of the entrances. Got you. He made his way around the circle, using the chaos as hundreds of Yiga tried forcing their way back into the hideout to mask his movements. He fought and jostled with them, trying to stay close as Koga merely floated over their heads, passing into the tunnel. He rode the crowd into the hideout entrance, until they made their way into one of the large common rooms. Here he caught sight of Koga passing down another hall, and Link pushed to follow, gritting his teeth as he was shoved this way and that. He wondered if Koga even realized the gift he'd given Link in his pronouncements. He had assumed that Link was still inside, causing problems, while most of the Yega were outside. 
It may not have even crossed his mind that Link could have been right there in front of him all along. And now, with the chaos, it was highly unlikely that anyone would be able to guess who he was, until it was too late. He continued to follow until he saw Koga enter a door with an elaborately carved door frame. The door slammed behind him, showing the red Yika eye emblazoned upon its surface. He waited, allowing the crowd to shuffle around him. They checked other nearby rooms, and he just allowed himself to be drawn this way and that, though never letting the door out of his sight. And gradually, the crowd lessened. The searching Yiga left to search deeper in the hideout, unaware that the one they searched for stood in their midst. Soon, he was alone. He made his way back down the hall to the door, nearing it when it suddenly opened. The same tall Yiga woman that he'd seen earlier stepped out and froze when she saw him. He tensed, clenching a hand into a fist. She looked at him quietly for several moments and then closed the door behind her. And then she nodded, turning and walking in the opposite direction. Link watched her go, frowning under his mask. Could his disguise be that good? Could no one really suspect that Link could be disguised as one of their own? Or did she know? yet didn't want to stop him? He couldn't waste time worrying about it. He approached the door and opened it, stepping into the room. Inside, Koga was sitting on a large, plush throne in a high-ceilinged room. His fingers were steepled over his round belly. Beside him on a tall pedestal sat the Golden Thunder Helm. It had a large faceplate, with two sets of three green gemstones that formed vertical lines over the face of the mask. Odd protrusions near its top looked almost like clouds, and there was a golden halo that sat behind the mask, with lightning bolts shooting out from it. He recognized it from his memory immediately, nearly flashing back to his conversation with Urbosa on Naboris. He pushed the memory away, though, as Koga spoke. Aya, why are you... Koga looked over at Link and paused. Wait, you're not Aya. Who are you? What are you doing in my chamber? You're supposed to be looking for the intruder. Link closed the door behind him and stepped forward, reaching up and removing his mask, dropping it to the floor. He lowered his hood as well, revealing his mop of messy blonde hair. Master Koga shot to his feet, pointing. You! You shouldn't be here! You! He stopped growing stiff as he seemed to realize what Link was here for. And then, strangely, he began to laugh. Koga's laughs rose in pitch echoing off the stone walls of his large throne room. He threw his arms out wide and bent backwards, face lifted towards the ceiling. All this time, I have been looking for you, and you come to me. <laughs> It is just as the dreams showed me. I merely needed to send assassins, and you would eventually come. And now you are here. He laughed again, and Link reached down, pulling one of the sickles off his belt, glaring at Koga. He didn't know what the Yaga Master meant by dreams, and he didn't care. He would kill this man, and take the Thunderhelm back once and for all.
Koga rose into the air, doubling over with maniacal laughter. It all worked just like I knew all along. You're here now, and I, Master Koga, will kill you. And then I will be rewarded just as promised. I will be king over this land. The Yiga abruptly stopped laughing, straightening and looking at Link. Or do you think yourself able to defeat me with your feeble weapons? Foolish boy. Link heard enough. He rushed forward, but Koga disappeared in a puff of smoke. A split second later, he reappeared behind Link and struck him between the shoulder blades with his palm. The blow sent Link flying forward, pain flaring through his body. He crashed to the ground, rolling and coming to land against the opposite wall. Koga appeared again next to him, his boot positioned over Link's head. He brought it down, but Link rolled out of his way, shooting back to his feet and swiping at him with the sickle. Yet Koga wasn't there any longer. He reappeared from behind again, and Link spun out of the way of another of his blows. The Yiga began to laugh again as he disappeared. Link froze, waiting, but the only sound was Koga's laughter, echoing off the walls. He appeared on the other side of the room, arms raised. You have no idea who you're messing with, boy, he cried. Suddenly, Yiga weapons hanging from the walls began to tremble in their racks. Koga laughed as they broke free, floating towards him. The sharp edges of the sickles, spears, and swords all pointed towards Link. I am a god among men, the Yiga said, and then he thrust his hands forward. The weapons all shot towards Link. Link swore, dodging out of the way of a spear that nearly skewered him, and then swung his sickle, sending a sword spinning away from him. He felt some of the weapons graze his arms and sides, but he managed to avoid being run through by any of them. Oh, we can't have that, Kogus said. He began to laugh again. His weapons rose into the air again, being pulled back towards him. And suddenly Link's own sickle jerked from his hand. The other sickle at his wrist yanked forward too, pulling free of his belt to join the other weapons. Magnesis, he thought, staring darkly at Koga. He hadn't expected to be facing someone who had apparent mastery over Shika runes. He broke into a run, sprinting towards Koga, who started in surprise at his aggressive motion. He began to fling weapons as before, but Link focused his mind and held his breath. The weapons grew sluggish as time slowed around him. He still didn't know where this strange ability came from. He didn't know how he did it. He didn't know why he could do it. But that hardly mattered at the moment. Link easily dodged around a spinning sickle and ducked under a longsword. As he neared Koga, he reached into his satchel, removing his ancient sword and igniting it. He thrust it toward Koga's chest. Moving with surprising speed, considering Link's own ability, Koga moved out of the way, thrusting an open palm towards Link and striking him in the shoulder. Link gasped as sudden pain flared where he'd been struck. He flew backwards, spinning through the air. The flying weapons all clattered loudly as they crashed into the far wall as time sped back up. What is this? Koga demanded as he looked down at Link, who groaned slightly and shook his head. He reached up to touch his right shoulder. It felt as though it had been dislocated. So strong he thought grimly, and too fast. 
Why didn't anyone tell me you could dilate time? Koga wondered angrily. Someone should have told me. You could have... But no, no. I'm too fast, even for that. He began to laugh again, throwing his head back. You talk too much, Link said through gritted teeth. He lifted his right arm above his head until he felt the shoulder pop back into place. The arm still hurt terribly, but at least he could move it now. He pushed himself back to his feet and got into stance, holding his glowing sword out in front of him. Koga grunted, all signs of mirth disappearing again. He's not stable at all, is he? Link thought readying himself. Apparently content to use the same tricks, Koga sent the flurry of weapons toward Link again, this time from the side. He sprinted forward, keeping one step ahead of the spinning weapons. As expected, Koga eventually stopped sending them towards Link as he got closer, lest one of them hit the Yiga instead. Why won't you stay still? Koga said, spinning out of the way as Link tried again to catch him with the glowing blue blade. Link prepared himself for another barrage of flying weapons, but Master Koga instead settled to the ground, holding his hands before him. He began to wave them in the air, and his hands began to shine with a red light that trailed behind him in the air as he made a circle. Then he brought them together, and split into six other beings, three each appearing on either side of him. Link swore as suddenly they advanced. Any hope of it being a mere illusion faded immediately as two of them struck him, one right after the other, sending him sprawling to the ground. One Koga appeared in the air above him, holding one of the spears, and drove it towards him, but he rolled out of the way. He lashed out at the next Koga to rush him, swinging his sword through his neck and causing the figure to disappear in a puff of smoke. He backflipped over an attack by another copy, kicking him in the face in the process. This one, too, disappeared. They hit hard but can't take much damage, he thought, rolling underneath a sickle. He swung his sword out at the copy's leg. It disappeared. He took quick stock of the room. Three more Kogas prepared to attack. One, however, hung back, watching. Link snatched up a sickle from the floor in his right hand and whirled it, throwing it spinning towards another of the Koga's copies. As another appeared above him, Link jumped back and then suddenly stabbed forward as it fell, his blade cutting up and through it. That left only two. A copy and the real one. He sprinted forward, narrowing his eyes in focus. The copy appeared directly in front of him, but Link didn't stop, thrusting his ancient sword straight through its heart. It disappeared, and suddenly, he was there, in front of the real Koga, who yelped in alarm and tried to back away, only to hit his back against the wall. He moved to deflect the blow, but Link was already ready this time. As Koga threw out a glowing hand to deflect the blade, Link pirouetted, propelled by Koga's own force, and brought his sword around to his other side. He released his hold of breath, as Koga's clothing and flesh hissed and charred as his sword cut deep into his side. Koga stumbled to the side, crashing to the ground. Groaning, he reached down, placing a hand against his side, blood oozing through his fingers. No, Koga said, his voice a whisper. No, I won't be defeated by you. He rose on unsteady feet, still keeping a hand pressed to the deep wound on his side. I am Master Koga. This is my realm. This will be my kingdom. I am destined to be the one to kill you. I was promised! 
He thrust out a hand, and a sickle wrenched off the ground, spinning across the room. Link cut the blade in two with his sword, and began to walk towards the Yiga. A sword followed the sickle, but he slapped it aside with the palm of his hand. Koga took a step back, face unreadable under his mask, but posture showing panic. Link continued to walk toward him. This man, this organization, was the one that sent the assassins after him. Delia. Those killed at Kakarika Village, those in the desert. The two women that Link had allowed to survive. They caused him no end of his problems, terrorized his friends, and attempted to destroy both the Zora and Gerudo. And they had tried to murder Zelda. He could still remember the look of terror in her eyes as she prepared to die. No more. You are nothing before me. I am the Yiga clan. I am. He slowed time and separated Master Koga's head from his body. He released his breath, and the body fell to the ground in a heap. Link stood over the headless corpse, grimacing. After a few moments, he turned and made his way over to the Thunder Helm. He hefted it in his free hand, looking at it critically before glancing around. He spotted a Yiga banner on the wall and used his sword to cut the bottom half. He used this to wrap the Thunder Helm. It was a poor disguise, but it would at least be less conspicuous than carrying the Golden Helmet around in the open. Out in the hall, he heard the sounds of alarm. He deactivated his blade and picked back up his mask, replacing it over his face and walked to the door. Sparring the fallen Yiga Master one final glance, Link then slipped out of the throne room closing the door behind him. The Yiga were in panic. Their research burning, the prisoner's escape, and an imposter in their midst were enough to cause them distress. But shortly thereafter, scouts reported a large force of Grudo approaching the base. No one appeared to have noticed Koga's death yet, but Link knew that was only a matter of time. As the Yiga prepared for battle, he was able to make his way back through the hideouts without being challenged. No one cared to notice the blood on his outfit, which closely matched the dark red fabric anyway. Nor did anyone question the wrapped object hanging around his waist. Their attention was directed elsewhere. He didn't use the main entrance, knowing that Yega would likely be lining the canyon walls, preparing to rain arrows down on the Gerudo as they tried to attack. Instead, he followed a group of archers through a side passage as they emerged onto one of the canyon ledges. With luck, it ended up being one close to the entrance of the canyon. He could see the cloud of dust being kicked up by the approaching Gerudos, even if he couldn't quite make them out yet. Thanks, Liana, he thought, smiling grimly. They must have been pushing hard to arrive so quickly. The archers began to prepare themselves for battle, eyes on the approaching dust cloud. Link looked around. There were other ledges that were occupied by Yiga nearby, but... Well, he needed to escape some way, and would rather do so now than in the confusion of battle, when a Gerudo might decide that he was still dressed too much like one of the Yiga. Link removed the sickles at his waist and attacked. The archers didn't stand a chance. Their focus turned towards the coming Gerudo. He cut them down, a bitter expression under his mask. He took no pleasure in the butchery, but he also knew that each archer felled was possibly a Gerudo saved. 
an alarm went out, as Yiga from another ledge finally noticed him. Swearing, he sprinted forward, leaping off the side of the ledge and sliding down the steeply sloped canyon wall. He landed on the sand with a roll and began racing for the canyon's mouth as arrows began to fly down around him. Ling tried again to slow time to aid him in his escape, but nothing happened. He felt tired inside, much like he did when he used too much of Mifa's healing abilities in quick succession. There was a limit on how much he could do at once, it seemed. An arrow zipped by, landing in the sand by his feet, and Link changed his direction of travel. He heard more cries of alarm as another Yiga took notice. Murderer! One of them cried. For Master Koga! Another screamed. Ah, so they know about Koga now too. Yiga poured out of hidden ground entrances, wielding various weapons that served Link just fine, though the archers would hesitate to fire at Link if their own fellow Yiga were on the field of battle. Wouldn't they? He got an answer a moment later, as another arrow zipped by him, clipping his shoulder. He really wished he had a shield. He continued to zigzag, hearing the cries of the Yiga behind him. Glancing over his shoulder, he saw that the Yiga chasing him on foot were rapidly gaining. They weren't simultaneously running and avoiding arrows. Some of them, however, paid the price for that. As he watched, some of the arrows fell short, dropping some of the Yiga. Link angled towards his sand seal which still lazed on its back in the morning sunlight. Could he reach it in time? Could he get it moving in time? Hey! He called, trying to wake it up. The sand sail didn't move. Hey! Still nothing. Cursing, Link glanced back once more, startled to see just how much the Yiga had gained on him. There wasn't enough time. His mind raced as he considered his options. The Gerudo dust cloud gained rapidly, yet there was still too far to aid him against the ground forces. He needed to buy time. Gritting his teeth, Link reached up, ripping his mask off before whirling, kicking up a spray of sand as he did so. He grabbed his ancient sword out of his pack and one of the sickles in his other hand. If he could stay alive long enough for the Gerudo to arrive, then maybe he could survive this day. If not, well, at least they would have their heirloom back. The Yiga sprinted at him, moving on light feet, crying aloud their fury. Arrows fell around him, though he had gotten far enough away that they were no longer accurate. Some even fell among the Yiga force. A lot among the Yiga. In fact, Link looked around behind him again, eyes widening as he saw a cloud of arrows arcing through the air from the Gerudo. They can use bows with their seals? He thought, incredulous and it would seem they could do so well. The arrows streamed over Link's head, falling among the Yiga with fatal accuracy. Somehow even far away and moving as they were, the Gerudo were a force to be reckoned with. As the arrows dropped dozens of Yiga in a single volley, the force finally broke. Some turned and began to run while others scattered, trying to find cover. He turned and continued running towards his sand seal, which had finally woken. As he reached the sled and quickly wrapped the rope around his waist, the Gerudo arrived, riding their own sleds and wielding swords and spears. They fell upon the exposed Yiga force with brutality, ululating their battle cries, and leaving the sand stained red in their wake.